welcome to Joe Talks Comics. This is a podcast where I talk with friends about the comics we've been reading and enjoying lately, plus occasional solo episodes and creator interviews. This week we've got uh, another fun one for you here as I talked with my friend Ice Dragon57 about all the comics that we enjoyed and read back in March, last month if you're watching this, it's released towards the end of April. But yeah, I know them from the Radiant Black Discord mainly, so if you want to find them online, you probably find them hanging around that discord there'll be a link in the show notes to that so there's not much more i want to say on this intro but i do want to suggest a few extra books that i didn't get the chance to talk about in this episode that i read or came out in march so there's six single issues and then i chose one um collective edition graphic novel whatever you want to call it that i wanted to highlight so the first of the single issues is All Against All, issue 4, written by Alex Pecknadel, art by Casper Wingard, lettering by Hassan Otsmain, ah, ow, how, but pronounced those all right. And this has been an incredible series, very wild, sort of high concept. It, it, the first few issues, it took extra concentration to actually read and try and get my head around it, because there's a lot of really cool ideas here that Pecknadel is playing with and how it's like set, the perspective it has, the voices of the characters, and not even mentioning the art. I adored Wingard's art on Homesick Pilots. So it was a delight to have to see more of it here. It's so like vibrant, it's brimming with energy and like dyn dyn dynamism. Is that a word? It, it's very dynamic, both in, in terms of like the colours and the actual line work itself. I mean the different character designs like the world that's like created here that's kind of like our own world but not it's it, it yeah i don't want to spoil too much the original premise but you, you'll see if you read it it's absolutely really great but i can only cost lettering by uh, al how like I, I always love when letterers can do color-coded lettering because it just adds to uh, adds a new layer to the both the storytelling and the art and the writing and distinguishing the the characters from each other and it just makes it like so it has that use on a technical level but also aesthetically it looks really nice published by image comics that is next etheris one by anis abdulhaq and dennis menhir published by source point press i won't talk too much about this one because i had the creative chit chat back back in march it was yes where i talked with the creators about book the blends of poetry and narrative and story and the absolutely gorgeous artwork for it was one of Anna's first comic books and Dennis's first published interior work I believe so because like very much of mine is just incredible I yeah it might not be for you if you're not as into poetry but I loved it so if you're interested I, I would definitely recommend it especially when you can support a smaller publisher like Source Point Press and Anna's and Dennis, as well as it had edits by Michelle about Ada and letters by DC Hopkins. So yeah, see if you can still find a copy or you can your store can still order one from the dist- distributor, then I'd recommend that. Miles Morales Spider Man issue four, written by Cody Ziegler, art by Federico Vincent Vicentini, is that right? Colours by Brian Valenza, um, lettering by Corey Petit. A really great book by Marvel Comics. 
awesome cover by Dyke Rowan. There's been lots of awesome covers in this series. I had no idea what to expect from this run, what it was going to be like, but I just had a feeling it would be good, and it hasn't disappointed. Yeah, I've loved this story arc. It's been exciting. The artwork has been incredible, perfect. So, again, so dynamic and vibrant, etc. The, the energy in the, the action scenes, whether that's just, like, fight scenes in general or how, like, it, it's perfect for a Spider-Man title because of how fluid it is, and the writing is equally compelling. The motivations of the villain, it's, like, exciting. It feels fresh. It was thrilling, but also nicely ties back to Miles' origin in a way that um, it was one of those things when you're slightly surprised no one has done it before, but I'm very excited to see where that series goes beyond this first arc, because I think I think that issue four that came out in March was the penultimate issue of the arc. Yes. So that should be very fun to see where it goes. Uh, Fantastic Four, number five, Ryan North. Uh, this well, this issue, that issue was drawn by Ivan Violetti. Is that the right? The coloring by Jesus Albertov, doing by Joe Caramagna. Uh, that's another series I've absolutely been loving. I there, there was a period of time when I wasn't reading many Marvel comics. But now I've had a bit of a Marvel renaissance with Miles and now Fantastic Four. And also with Spider-Man by Slot and Bagley. That's also been a lot of fun. But yeah, I love the smaller scale stories that's been going on in Fantastic Four. And it feels slightly weird to say because like, the stakes, the cliffhanger kind of set up there is like very high stakes. But it's not like a big summer event. It's just sort of nice like, self-contained stories. And this is the first, I think this might be the first two-parter in the run. But... It's been great fun so far. I, I really like the voice for all the characters and the artwork. Uh, I do did miss Ibon Quado on this issue, but the artwork was still good. The color, covers by Alex Ross have been really cool. So it's definitely been a really fun series. That If you're looking for a Marvel series to try out, I would definitely recommend like Fantastic Four or Miles or Strange Academy going back to... Or, uh, I, I would probably suggest going back to the start for that just because it's such a short series that... I would love you to experience the whole thing like from start to finish because it is concluding at Strange. Well, so this is Strange Academy Finals five that came out in March and it's concluding with six. But the legacy numbering for Strange Academy is like twenty twenty four issues because they relaunched it anyway. So Scott Young, Umberto Ramos, Edgar Delgado, uh, Clayton Cowles, writing art, coloring, lettering, awesome series, great fun. Great characters, great storyline. It's really been developing and escalating, inspiring. Just sort of lots of words that all mean the same thing. That uh, I can't wait to see how it ends next issue because it's been super compelling. And one of my highlights of the original series was the more like one and done issues that were more like self-contained, the more slice of lifey. Because I love that sort of thing, as I mentioned in this episode. That you're going to listen to. But I've still enjoyed the more serialised nature of this final arc, where it's, yeah, it's a climactic final arc, alright? They are as awesome as always, everything like that. So, like, Vibrant has got a nice pastel feel to it, which gives it a real youthful quality, which is really cool for this series. And yeah, I'm excited to see how that one concludes, that it will be a bittersweet finale. Now, I said at the beginning of this intro that there were six single issues I wanted to talk about, but because it wasn't on my pull list, and I read the advanced PDF of it, I almost forgot about By the Horns, Dark Earth, issue 7. I had the great writer of 
the series Ban Hans, Matheson Nesso, back on the podcast, well, on the podcast, back in late January, so a while ago now, so go and check out that episode if you love the series, and you want some insight on it and you haven't listened to the episode already, or if you want to be convinced to read the series, yeah, that was a great fun episode, and this was a really cool issue. He talked about it a lot at the time as something he was really looking forward to, and it's something they talk, um, the artist Jason talks about in, at the back of the issue in his little bit, where it was a really fun travel issue, where it was just like splash pages all the way through, both like single pages and double pages, where Jason got to illustrate loads of different cool like scenery and different like sort of described like a- a- action shots. Things that are like a like a still frame, uh, like an action scene going on. If you think of like a cover, I suppose, and like the cover of the issue, issue seven, is like an action scene in progress, like most covers are. So it's quite cool to see the story being told through that sort of art as you as you went through the issue, and it was a really great use of that narration with Evan the floating eyeball. Yes, I know. It's incredible. Their travel journal, that was a really entertaining part of it. And I've really got attached to the floating eyeball, Elodie, the unicorns, the name of the fox, I can't remember the name of, but yes. And I think, I believe it's Steve Cannon that does the colouring on Dark Earth, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. That seems to be right. So yeah, definitely recommend By the Horns if you haven't read it from Scout Comics. The first trade collecting the first series, the first eight issues, is out. And then the second trade of the series collecting the first part of Dark Earth will be out at the end of May at the moment. That's the current date for it. So yeah, really, really fun series. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. The last single issue I wanted to mention was Kaya. So I've always pronounced it as, as Kaya, but I've also had other people, including Wes Craig, the writer in our, this a bit pronounced it Kaya, so maybe it's Kaya, maybe I'm probably wrong, but that's also coloured by Jason Wordy and lettered by Anworld Design, so that, that's been a, a great series, a great fun series, if you want like an underrated indie series to check out, I would definitely recommend this, it's sort of more like fantasy, like pulpy, maybe for like slightly young, it's got a very animated and dynamic art style, which might be fun for younger readers, but I'm not sure. You might want to read through it first to see if you think it's suitable, because it's not it's not like really mature, but just to, like, for you to make sure. But anyway, so I've really enjoyed the, the character of Kea and her brother that's being set up here, having like Desert Riders, and the issue five ended on a cliffhanger at the end of the first arc, so I'm really excited to see how that's picks up for the next arc when that starts in 7 in April. Actually, again, the, the week this will be going out, um, KS7 comes out. But yes, issue 6 was a nice standalone issue between arcs, talking about the, the illustrating the origin of KS Mysterious Magic Arm. And that was a fun series. It does flesh out some of the backstory and mythology and lore behind the series and the characters. And it, yeah, that, that was a really fun one. And there was some nice ancillary stuff in the back, like a Letters page and some other, like there was an essay by Craig and a cool backup story. And so, yeah, that was a really fun issue. I, again, definitely recommend it. Because I think the first trade is out now. And of course, like I mentioned, issue seven, starting a new arc, will be out the day this comes out if you're listening to it on the Wednesday. 
yes, finally, before I let you get back into, or get into the, the episode, I mean, I want to highlight On a Sunbeam, written and drawn by Tilly Warden, published by First, Second Books in America, and Avery Hall Publishing here where I am in the UK. Yeah, I uh, I cannot fully summarise how I feel about this book and this is the short end of this intro that I have, but the the service describes it as an inventive world, a, a breathtaking love story, and stunning art come together in this new work by award-winning artist Tilly Warden. And it, it is such a great read because it feels so like cosmic and high stakes, but on such an emotional level. It's not action-packed at all. Well, there, like, there is some action scenes, but the main focus is on digging deep into the characters. It's over 500 pages long, but a lot of it is just appreciating the storytelling and cartooning of Warden. So it doesn't feel like that long a read. It's, it was, as I mentioned, as someone that loves the size of life things, it was so nice to have that time to really like, appreciate the characters soak in like, the, the beautiful art, their backstories, their motivations, their dynamics. And how that, because everything that's built up in the first half of the book, the first like 275 pages or whatever it is, the first 13 chapters, because there's 20 chapters in total, that all gets paid off in the second half of the book. And yeah, it was, it was such a good payoff. It feels so dramatic and compelling. And I um, maybe should have done this, but if you like LGBTQ plus storylines, then definitely check this out if you like the sort of like young adults where it's storylines. It's like all women characters, all like girl characters, you know, sort of like young girl, like women and girls, and no like men at all in the story. And and there is some non-binary representation as well. So a very, very, another really fun read and beautiful read that I'm so glad to to have and to have finally checked out and if you want a nice fun episode on the book which is how I discovered it check out the Comments Collective podcast and they also had an interview with Tilly Warden last year that was really interesting to listen to so I need to check out more of her stuff more of her books because I've heard good things so yeah that's all that I wanted to add in and highlight this month I hope you enjoy the episode I hope you read some good books And as always, I'll see you on the other side. So, Ice Dragon 57, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here, Joe. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about another awesome month of comics. It's the the end end of April, but better late than ever as we talk about some of the, the awesome books that came out in March. I know the January, February one was a bit strange because it was two episodes in one and as I mentioned before we were recording to Ice Dragon some of the later comics I didn't have any thoughts on because it's like two issues of Batman I'm not going to have much more to say about it so it's fun to be back to just like one month in in one episode and another thing I know that if you sort of watching listening to the podcast from the start you'll know that these episodes were quite loose at the start and then for a couple of months a couple of these types of episodes they got a bit more structured so and I'm hoping to aim for a bit of an in-between, so hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens since we have a fun conversation. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Exactly. So, all right. do you want to, uh, I don't know, is there anything you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Ice Dragon 57 
Um, I'm the world's first massive verse cosplayer. Uh, I've cosplayed Rogue Sun, Night Sun, uh, Axel from Radiant Black, uh, Sov, who's a villain from Rogue Sun, and I am working on a Diesel Punk Radiant Red outfit as of right now. Um, I was printed in an issue of Rogue Sun, so that might be where you knew me from, or, uh, or the Radiant Black Discord. Other than that, I don't have much social media presence, because I don't really like people or social media, because it, it just kind of bothers me sometimes. Oh, yeah, I don't have much social media presence, just because I, I don't want to be distracted by all of that, or have to deal with a lot of people, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, that, that, that definitely makes, makes sense. It's, yeah, it's, it's accessible out there in some places. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to be plugging any Twitters or Instagrams or anything and begging you to follow me. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering, when, when did you first discover the massive verse of that Radiant Black and Rogue Sun, all of those titles? Um, I was at a summer con. It, well, it was, it's called Washington State Summer Con. It's this comic book convention in Washington State during the summer. I saw Kyle's booth. Uh, I thought he had cool art, so I went over. We talked about writing comics. I bought a first issue, um, got got it signed, and um, let, let's just say I regret reading that first signed issue like 10 times in the first day, um, and then I immediately called my local comic book store and asked them to order in as much of this as they possibly could, and and they did, and one of the cashiers, who's really cool, just kind of um, will order in Massiverse titles like the day they're announced for me, so... Yeah, I, I guess I got into it by meeting the writer, and then I got into Rogue Sun because I thought he looked cool and he was Massiverse, and then I met Ryan Parrott, so, yeah. That's fun. I, I haven't been to any conventions, but I hope to go to one someday. There's one sort of very near the, more towards the north of England called Thought Bubble up in Yorkshire that's that would be really cool to go to these um, one day because they have loads of, like, the, like, American writers and, like, all, all other classic ones people know and lots of just awesome creators and artists. And, but, yeah, it's a bit of a track up there from where I am, but it would be cool someday. Oh, yeah. That does sound pretty cool. I I might have to check on that because I'll, I'll be going over to England and that area eventually for a graduation trip. So if that's there, I might yeah. might swing by. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it always looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, if you haven't been, you said you haven't been to a convention, but um, they're really fun. If you, if you can go, even if it's just a smaller one, I would suggest going because talking with writers and artists is always, I think it's really cool because you get to meet the person who writes the stories that you enjoy. And usually, hopefully, they tend out to be a really cool person and you want to buy more of their stuff to support them. Yeah, I mean... I haven't been to a, a convention, but I have like been able to talk to various like creators through the, through the podcast. So uh, I I partly know what what you mean, and it, it is really cool to hear about their like experiences and what what went into making the book. And I did get to talk to the, the, the local shop near me. Um, knows Martin Simmons, the artist of like Department of Truth, and oh, uh, like, cool. awesome things. Yeah, that's really and cool. it was it was before the it was before like Department of Truth that they they had like a a signing, um because apparently he used to live in the area, well and so I'm not sure he does anymore these days but 
so when I first like came to uni and started going to the store, he sort of like met the the store owner. So it was basically just him running it. It was a very small store. Got to was sort of, it was just sort of telling me that, and I was like, oh yeah, it, it would be cool to like, get him in one day. I'd have to reach out again, but hopefully we could work it out. So then, so that was more like autumn or fall, whatever you want to call it, time. And then in the spring when when that came around, it, it was really cool that they actually managed to like materialize, and it, it was really handy because between it being announced and it actually happening, I was like going home for like like, like a week or like, half term or whatever you want to call it. So I managed to like take my Department of Truth issue one like, back to uni and I had to go and get it signed and I got like a cool like remark on it for Starface Man if you know who that is from the series and all, all like free and and got to like talk with him for like a decent amount and it, it was really cool especially when uh, of course, the store and it was like selling some of his other like Simmons stock. It was like Department of Truth, like trades and new mutant variants that he was doing at the time. So being there with like an actual number one was, was quite a cool experience, as you might imagine. Oh yeah, that's that's really cool. I haven't I haven't read Department of Truth. I want to. It's it's on my list of stuff I want to read, but I I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, my mom really likes Department of Truth though, so she she'd be jealous of that. And that's fun. Yeah, it's a very wild, really quite sort of like mind-bending and like trippy and all of those sorts of words that you can think of. It's been on hiatus for, honestly, like several months now, but hopefully, yeah, it's been on hiatus since November last year, so oh, wow. hopefully it will come back at, at some point. It's not too hopefully, bad yeah. in terms of hiatuses, but... Yeah, you want to look at hiatuses? Look at Saga. That was like two or three years yeah it did actually come back though which is yeah uh, I, 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 know, I know that there's sort of like lots of i don't know if i've read any of the, those sorts of series but i've sort of heard of various like image series from like the 2010s that sort of era where it's just went on hiatus and like didn't come back for various reasons so it's always interesting to hear about yeah especially because they always leave it on a big cliffhanger and then they're like oh we're gonna take a break and then the break ends up being like a few like a year or two you're sitting here wondering why, what's what's going to happen next? You, you just tease us like this and then leave us for a year. Yeah, and I suppose uh, as a slight a slight segue into talking specifically about some of the issues in March. Earlier, I was catching up on pools from the, the last week of the month, and I don't know, I don't know if you're reading something that's King of the Children, also written by Tanyan, but that was. It, it was a good issue, but it felt quite quick. Like it was over quite quickly, and then I was like, "Oh, it, that, that was the end of the hug." So I was like, "Oh, but luckily it's coming back in July." But it was one of those things where it, it's where like the way the book works, where like the first like big story arc was three smaller five issue story arcs, and so now where so, so like that was like the end of like like another like two smaller story arcs so we've got like one more smaller story arc and this would be like the end of another big 15 issue story arc that that might have made no sense but no i i've read something is killing the children i absolutely love it um i've read the first the first four trades are the ones that i've read um i'm getting or my my mom's getting the current run but has been been delayed reading it so that delays me of reading it and i've read the first arc of house of slaughter 
but I, I love Tinian. I love something is killing the children. And that probably sounds like an absolutely horrible thing to say if you don't know the comic book. But it's still really, really good. Just like someone like clips that out of context. <laughs> no, yeah. Pe- people will ask me like, hey, what sort of comic books do you read? And I'm like, uh, I, I, like, I like Radiant Black, you know. Um, I like something is killing the children. And then they'll give me this look of, what are you reading? What is wrong with you? And I... I tell them it's it's not just a violent story. There is more of a story there, but there is a lot of violence. Yeah. And, yeah, so a, a couple of fun points based on that, where I think, <clears throat> I can't remember the exact context, but in, 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 it involved telling my mum about the, the comic Murder Falcon by Daniel Warren Johnson. And, what, what, like, because I, because I know the comic... I know it's not really anything to do with like murders or anything. <laughs> when I, when I said murder falcon, she was probably really confused and very disturbed. And then I had a moment of of like, wait, no, it's not. Although actually, no, yeah, I can see why you were like, uh, I can see why you weirded out. But it's not at all what you think if if it's what you think is the obvious thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's it. Ring that that comic rings a bell is just yes. Um, Although, speaking of stuff like that, I I was able to find, like, just online somewhere, not for sale, someone posted a picture of a Something is Killing the Children cover, like a sketch cover that they got that's just a sketch of a headshot of Anakin Skywalker. It's it's horrible, but it's really funny. (laughs) Oh, no. And I, I saved that oh image my on my God. phone just because it's it's beautiful, and I, I hate scrolling through my phone seeing this picture of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> oh, no, That's yeah. incredible. Or like when Incredi- you see... You... Sorry, what were you saying? Incredibly, distur- incredibly disturbing, but incredible nonetheless. Oh, oh yeah. Just, I, I can't imagine like what, what the writer, or not the writer, what the artist was thinking when the person walks up to him and says, hey, can you draw me Anakin Skywalker on this non-Star Wars comic, please? <laughs> yeah. If you've got a blank comic, it's fun to actually use it for something oh, yeah. inventive I, like that. Yeah, I, I got a commission done, actually, on a blank cover by Fabrice Saplowski, um, co-creator of Spider-Man Noir, and he oh, also fun. split from Marvel and did his own thing called Fair Square Comics, and he wrote a Kung Fu Noir murder mystery called Intertwined. So I got him to draw me... The Spirit of the Earth, which is the character from Intertwined, like looking in a mirror and Spider-Man Noir in the mirror to reflect like the old and new noir that he's done. That's cool. And I've, I pick up sketch covers thinking, I know I want something done on this. Do I have the money for it? Not right now. However, I'd rather pick up a sketch cover now and save it for when I have money. Yeah, rather than having to like, try and search for it later on when you w- want to get a commission but don't have the cover. Oh yeah, I, I was searching for a Star Wars sketch cover for the longest time and I finally found one for a half-decent price. So I was able to pick that up and now I've got most of the sketch covers I'm looking for, for now at least. That reminds me of something... Yeah, that, rem- that reminds me of something that happened once when I was like first getting into single issues and it was x-men red number one not the not, not the latest al ewing one but the well i want to say the original what i presume is the original one from 2018 with written by tom taylor 
And uh, like, so I, I early 2018 as well, but I started going to the comic book store regularly, week to week. And the co- the copy of X Men number one, X Men Red number one, I picked up was the blank variant, just like I don't know because, and I think uh, I don't know if they were like supposed to. I don't know if it has a higher cover cover price, but they like like slightly charged me more for it because it was a blank cover, and me and my dad was like we're like looking at the receipt afterwards, confused, and and then we like we went back and they were like oh it's a it's a blank cover you can like get commissions on it and things we're like oh it's like okay. Fair enough. Still, still, a, still a bit more expensive, but it was yeah. like it was a learning moment. Yeah. Um. For some reason, variants um are usually like a dollar more. Um. Mm. Usually yeah. doesn't affect my budget too much, but every every now and then, I'll have like a week where all the comics I get are variants because I like the art and it <laughs> jacks up the price a lot. Yeah. But usually, yeah. usually it's worth it. Yeah, that tends to be the case. It's, it reminds me of when the, well, the, they weren't the August solicitations because in April we got the July solicitations um, recently, but they announced some of the books in advance for August and yeah. Marvel are doing this like Marvel Age 1000 issue, just like the typical sort of like anniversary, like anthology issue or, or whatever. It might, it might be good, it might not be good. Um, who knows? On, on a slight tangent, Amazing Fantasy 1000 actually good so pleasant surprise um yeah that was fun um but the point being about marvel age is that the main cover is like gary frank which i love love to see him doing more marvel work and so like it's a great cover but then there's also going to be a variant by francis manipal which like one i just like adore anyway two it's been great to see francis do more marvel work and I've got to be honest, I'm not getting, I'm not sure if I'm going to be getting the, any of the Night Terrors books in July and August from DC in, well, I just, I think I just said July and August, I don't know why I was going to repeat myself, but, so part of me is like, well, you know, you'll be buying less DC books over those months, maybe you should just buy both covers, and I'm like, oh, it's tempting, but it's it's a lot to buy two variant covers for, like, a $10 book, it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Like when they oh, do the um, when they do like the DC or Marvel Pride anthologies and stuff, those are like yeah. thicker books. So I gotta figure out like which covers I want to get for that. And usually it's a variant, and usually my comic shop saves like a poster for that month, and they'll give it to me. So that's cool. It, it just I keep saying it reminds me, but it's always fun with these conversations to spark like endless amounts of thoughts. But when with the Pride anthology specifically the Marvel one, I remember saying, saying something like, oh, yeah, more like Wicked and Hulkling are being taken out the out of storage for some more, like, June crumbs. And then it's like, I, I'm still going to buy it. I, I, I want those crumbs, but it would be nice to have more. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get into more Wiccan and Hulking stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's on my list. I just can't find a lot of it in stores, and I don't, I don't trust Amazon to ship me comic books after what happened with something before so i'm i'm kind of just ah. relying on a friend of mine to give me good suggestions and then go find those somewhere so yeah because the two main series for them are the original like you know, the, the two young avengers series the one in the early 2000s by alan heinberg and jim chung and then the um gillen kieran gillen and 
Jimmy McKelvey series about like a decade later or so. Um, but they're very different series, but I thought both of them were a lot of fun and they've sort of been like scattered amongst various titles for the past. Uh, ten, I suppose ten years again since Avengers run. How how are you in today? Uh, included in, in a few of his titles he was writing in the 2010s. I, I discovered when I did a read through of them, so that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. I brought up I brought up Francis Manipal, and so I just have to take this moment to properly plug once again Claire, written by Scott Snyder with art by him, which I got I, I got to talk to Francis for an episode almost like two hours long that, that released on the day that Claire Number One came out at the beginning of March. And that was That's a, cool. an awesome conversation. Yeah, it was it was so cool. And an awesome read. It was originally available oh, yeah. on well, it was it's like, it's, it's like yeah, it's like Comicsology or Kindle Unlimited or even like Prime Reading if you many of those things for free, but now it's coming out on print in, in Dark Horse through Dark Horse. So I heard that so, Scott Snyder signed a deal with um Comicsology to do a bunch of um comics through them. Like they uh they started with a book called We Have Demons with Scott Snyder and uh Greg Pulo that was really good. And it like it, it finished up, it did really well, and then it got put into print like uh three three ish months later, and I think that's what they're doing with Clear was it was written uh digitally and then it got so successful that it's like fine we have to print this for everyone who doesn't read digital comics because i don't read digital comics but i love scott snyder and clear was absolutely fantastic and i cannot wait for more of it yes yeah i read it like uh, i did read it when it was coming out digitally so it's been a lot of fun to be able to revisit it in print as well and uh, uh, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't tempted to buy the trade as well. <laughs> maybe maybe not read it straight away, but like just just for the shelf, I think it might be yeah, cool to have. But we'll see because that is plays into so many of my the types of things I normally enjoy, like sci-fi and like futuristic, like dystopian, you know, noir. Oh, yeah. Dystopian uh, is always really fun. Yeah, and of course, like the art by Manipur is spectacular. Oh, the way beautiful. Yeah, because. Um, if if you don't know, the part of the premise of the story is that in the future people can like veil or like disguise the just sort of, I guess retexture the world. It's like putting a filter on yeah. for everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so Francis gets to like be really creative with how he like illustrates the different filters that people have, whether that's like a cartoony one or an old western or anything. So it yeah. helps him to be really inventive. Those scenes where like even if it's just like the few shots of what people could see that were in the first issue were absolutely amazing because you get to see all the all these different things in this world in in this one art style that are all so different though it's it was it's really cool yeah so speaking all... of dystopian mm. speaking yes. of dystopian are you getting once upon a time at the end of the world no but i've heard good things oh it's so good it i'm not i'm not too big on romance and romance stories because usually it for me it feels like it drags down the plot but once upon a time at the end of the world is really really good it's it's a fun little dystopian love story and the the first arc isn't really it's it's about uh someone and um like they 
they meet in this tower. They both think they're the last people alive and they meet each other and they figure, well, we don't, they don't like each other. So they part their separate ways. But then um, the boy who's been trapped in the tower realizes that he doesn't like to be lonely. And he goes and chases after this like hardcore dystopian wanderer lady. And it, it ends up being like a really fun, um, like trek through the wasteland story and then there's there's a subplot about um these wasteland rangers that are like trained to survive and they're hunting uh mezzi wait yeah wait i'm i'm blanking on names right now um <laughs> hunting hunting one of them down because she betrayed them and it's 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 a fun love story it's it's a fun dystopian story and it's it's got really it's got really fun art and the characters are done really well and I honestly just picked it up because I thought the A cover for the first issue looked funny, and it ended up being a really good story. Yeah, that's a gorgeous cover by yeah, yeah, Mike Diamante. Who uh, I haven't read, I haven't seen too much of his art to be honest, but like, the art I have it is sort of spectacular. The colors are so rich and vibrant. And Mike really Delmundo cool. is doing a Spawn book with Todd McFarlane, I think. Um, I yes. don't know what happened to it. I've only got the first two issues, but it his art style is so so cool and it it works with these stories you know if you can have an artist and a writer that just work well together it can absolutely amplify a story and make it better than it already is you know yeah i've a feeling that might have only been two issues i remember hearing but i'm not sure i might be wrong i'll i'll, I'll look into it then i guess because i i thought the yeah. i think it was called spawn unwanted violence and it was it was actually a pretty fun right. little it was a it was a fun little thing. So yeah, and it was written by Todd McFarlane actually, so it did feel like a Spawn story, which is nice. Right, yeah, because I had mixed things about the actual like writing itself, but I, when I flicked through the story to look at the art, the art did look incredible. Oh yeah, um, and then they had Virgin variant covers, um, that weren't incentives. It was basically like you you can get it with the title cool. and all the stuff where you can get it without the title you can just get the art so i picked up the virgin covers because i like art and it looks pretty so that is basically uh, i felt that in terms of like, sometimes with like covers it's like yes uh, i like the art and it does look pretty i'm, I'm just going to buy it yeah i've i've bought comics i think um when batman beyond neo year came out i don't really know much about batman beyond although i probably should um but like they my comic shop got in the first issue and it had a variant cover that just looked cool. So I, I picked it up and it was just like, this, 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 this has cool art. Why, why not pick this up? See if the story's any good, but just buy it for the art. Yeah. That's one that uh, the, the Neo year, I definitely need to, uh, I really want to read because, well, first of all, I, I keep hearing good things about um, Nan- Jackson Nansing and Colin Kelly, the writing team, but they keep popping up. Everywhere they've had like the Captain America run, or at least one of them. I can't remember whether they do the. I think they might do the Steve one. I'm not reading it, but I've heard lots of good things about it that's been running since last year. And then the it just announced that the Batman Beyond that their version is coming back for another arc. It's called Neo Gothic July. So mm. that should be good fun. Yeah, I I haven't read much Batman Beyond. I guess the the extent I know of it would be um. Batman Beyond the White Knight, and that's that's all I've read for right. Batman Beyond. But yeah, yeah, I haven't really read much of 
of him either. I read a few issues of the like Rebirth series when it was like sort of halfway through, but not much more than that. And I, I did read the first issue of Beyond the White Knight, and that that was good. I've read the uh, I've only read that that is literally that what number one issue and the original like whole run. So uh, at, at this point, I'm sort of ho- holding out for like a big omnibus collection of all the various series in that universe, hopefully released someday. So, um, yeah, an omnibus of it would be nice, but as as far as I know, they're doing this uh, series coming out uh, soonish. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name for it, but um, it's... Oh, Generation Joker. Yeah, I think it's uh, Sean Murphy's yeah. wife and Mirka Andolfo doing uh, like a dysfunctional family thing with the Joker's kids mm. and the Joker hologram, and then... Sean Murphy confirmed that he would be coming back to do the final story, which is going to be um, like a world's finest Justice League set in the White Knight universe. Yeah. That'll, that'll yeah. be fun. Yeah, that, that, that all sounds really cool. It's one of those things where I, I'm glad it's continuing, just because, like, why, why not? But also part of me is like, like no. It's like, it just makes the omnibus like, like that bit further away. But if, I, if I'm getting even more comic content, it feels weird to complain. Yeah, and it still remains a good story. It's not like they're writing it That's good. like, oh, let's let's write to write more. Like when they did um when they did the Harley Quinn book, I I just picked up the Harley Quinn book a little bit ago. That that was actually pretty fun. Um, and then I just got a bunch of the issues for um or I got wait yeah I got the issues for Beyond the White Knight um because a comic shop I was at was having a sale or something and I just picked a lot of them up. And it it was still really it was still really good. It was a good Batman story because it's not just oh I'm Batman I'm angry I like beating up people. It's focusing on the character and who Batman is and why he isn't really a good guy, but why he isn't really a bad guy. And then how being Batman impacts the rest of Gotham and the Bat family and everything. Yeah, it's fun when people can use an alternate universe to give a slightly different take on the the characters and sort of then their voice and any sort of particular thoughts they have where they don't need to worry about being like constrained to like main continuity or have this sort of yeah I guess constrained is the only I felt like there was an additional point in my head but constrained is the only word I, I thought of yeah speaking of like black label stuff in alternate universe um Swamp Thing Green Hell finished up in March. Um, that was absolutely amazing. Have you have you read it? I read the first issue, and then it had like the big hiatus. So oh, I remember yeah. the the last two, but I'm looking forward to it though because oh, I, I've heard really good things. It's so good. I I heard it was coming back. My my local comic store got in the reprint of issue one, and I thought, you oh, know nice. what? I've heard enough good things about this. It's written by uh jeff lemire or jeff lemire or just jeff i guess um (laughs) i don't know how to pronounce his last name but it's written by him who's an who's a writer i absolutely love and i figured i'll pick this up how bad can it be if if they had to delay it for a year it's gonna be good and it was it was phenomenal i i don't read much swamp thing stuff like he's kind of just a character that shows up in some books for me but i loved green hell so much because it it got it got to be it got to be dark and it got to be violent and it got to be it got to be horror and all that stuff that well a, you know an M-rated Swamp Thing book about the end of the world should be yeah and speaking of disturbing superhero books written by Jeff Lemire which I, I know sounds 
like a very small and oddly specific category. Yeah, yeah it does, but... <laughs> oh, it, it, it's another tangent, but it just reminds me of those like letterbox lists where the, the title is like a really oddly specific sentence and then in the list there's only like two like completely different films that you were not expected to see together. Yeah. Huh. Uh, anyway, but yeah, if anyone hasn't read his Animal Man yet from the New 52, I read the omnibus of that... I want to say last year? Yeah, it was last last year? Yeah. Or well, maybe it might be in... No, yeah, sorry. Last year. Um, and for a mainline DC book, that is like quite sort of like... It manages to be like disturbing and it's very atmospheric in the sense that it's not... It doesn't necessarily feel like a proper superhero book in the, in the way that you might imagine like, like the usual things like Batman and Superman, etc., where it's sort of allowed out to be a bit more out there, some of the art and what's being like illustrated, and it's it was quite satisfying how p- partly because of the new fifty two, and I, I suppose I don't know how much editorial um how much editorial control had over Animal Man in the new fifty two of of all things, but he he sort of allowed to like make a superhero book where the, the stakes actually matter. And there are things that, obviously, without spoiling anything, when the art, when the run can like build up to a climax, and you still have like enough issues afterwards to sort of like sit in the aftermath of that and see how it affects the characters. And there, there is a crossover with New Fifty Two Swamp Thing at one point. So it was, I think, it was written by Scott Snyder first, and then Charles Thor went on to write it. But so I'm excited to read the other side of the crossover through that run someday but yeah if, if you want like a creepier animal ma- animal man run especially if you like jeff the mayor and oh, i've got the first gillian falls hardcover um that i need to read so which i had lots of good things about but just wanted to throw that recommendation out there um speaking of jeff lemire he did a moon knight run that is absolutely yes, phenomenal I so i they they've got like the complete collection of the omnibus or whatever that's like fourteen ish issues. Don't don't quote me on that. I don't remember it, but it's it's, it's where like they that. drew the um the scenes of the like the psych ward from mm. from the show. That whole playing with the idea of is it real, is it not? That's the book that they drew it from, and oh, it's it's so good. I love basically everything Moon Knight. So when I got to read this darker mind bending weird moon knight story by a writer i already loved i it made me love moon knight even more i guess yeah it's, it's quite fun looking on the comic geeks website that which i always talk about well well first of all it, it does contain 14 issues so i think that's what you said yes okay I it's was, also I fun right. yeah but it's also fun like looking at the reviews and then looking at the star ratings of people i follow there's like all five stars yeah, it's it's Moon Knight. You can just kind of have fun with because he's not too mainstream, I guess. But he's also he's he's Moon Knight. You know, he's he's kind of weird. <laughs> so yeah, the the current Moon Knight run though is actually really really good. I did like the first arc probably the most, but it you know it it hasn't exactly gone down in quality. It's still a quality book. It's still a book I genuinely look forward to every month. But it is getting a little, like, bigger stakes because there was an arc involving vampires. Sorry, vampires more than normal for a Moon Knight book. Um, 
And then right now it's kind of dealing with the aftermath of Moon Knight being broke and having no life um, other than beating people up at night and like dealing with what Moon Knight really is and playing with the um the DID aspect of it. There's there's like an issue of Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and Jake Lockley all talking inside Mark's head. And it like not it's kind of the aftermath of something that happened and it's just this whole issue of these three guys living in one body discussing what just happened. And it was it was done really well in the art. The art is absolutely beautiful for it. Yeah. I that, that, that run I always find really annoying when it gets brought up. For the reason that I I picked up the number one and like I read it and enjoyed it, but for some reason I just like didn't feel the need to add it to my poor list. So uh, like I enjoyed it, but obviously not enough to to add it. And then as sort of like time went on, like as I've like heard more and more about it, then. I was just like, like regret not picking up and adding it to my list. Yeah, when... there was there was a time so there was a time last year when I was um reviewing comics for like like a site that got Marvel review PDF. So I have read a bit a bit, a bit more of it, like a dozen issues or so. But yeah, I would definitely love to like probably catch up and read the rest of it eventually. Yeah, I I didn't pick up the first issue when it first came out. And I was beating myself up over it because, like, when the Moon Knight show, like, the first issue came out, I really wanted to get more of this character. And I went down, I think, the next week or a week or two later to my local comic store, and they had one issue of this left. And I was thankfully able to snag it and add it to my collection. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, the artwork just always looks incredible. Whenever I see art of it online or like pages of it, it's like, oh, so good. Yeah, there's there's some really nice um, like double page spreads in it, and they 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 can just have some fun because there are a decent amount of like times that plate that take place inside um Mark's head, so they can just have some mm-hmm. fun with what it looks like in there, and there's um. There's an issue that took place during the Devil's Reign arc, which is absolutely amazing, but they kind of had to explain, like, while Moon Knight is off in Devil's Reign, what was going on, and they had, um, I'm blanking on his name, the bad guy of the first arc, Hunter's Moon, yeah, he went, yeah, he got to go fight Stained Glass Scarlet, but, like, this overpowered version of Stained Glass Scarlet, and there's, there's, like, two or three... There's like two page spreads and a double page spread of Khonshu versus Stained Glass Scarlet that looks so, so cool. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that was, I was just, a fun issue. Yeah. I, I was just going to ask, did you read the like the actual Devil's Reign Moon Knight Titan, which actually had Mark in it? Uh, no. I All I read for Devil's Reign was the... Um, I, I read the trade. I picked up the first issue and I got my friend to draw um moon knight and kingpin on it but i i've only read the trade which i thoroughly enjoyed and i mm-hmm. kind of wanted to get more for it but mm-hmm. um budget sadly so yeah that's always it, it, devil's reign w- would always be an interesting event for me because it 
because it came out at that time I just mentioned where I, I could read the Marvel review PDF. So I, I managed to actually read most of it, which basically never happens in, in singles, at least, just again because of money. But so it, it was quite fun just to like be able to like experience most of it. And that Devil's Rain Moonlight issue was a lot of fun because it had him like in prison because of what was happening within the event and sort of like the chaos that in ensued ensued um and the artwork was different lots of people went into it i, I love the artwork it was definitely a much different style from Capriccio or if that's how you say it but it's, yeah, oh yeah it's, it's been on my list of things Sabatini. i want to pick up mm, yeah i think he did a couple of Sabatini. i mean did a couple of issues of filling issues of the main series but it was a lot more like jagged and more like liney whereas Capriccio is more like dynamic and fluid so I understand why some people went into it but I, I thought it worked really well within the story. Uh, I will add that to my list then. Uh, I've, I've been looking at it thinking do I want to pick this up or do I not want to pick this up because mm. usually I'll go to a comic store that has it and I'll have a, like a stack of like four or five issues or like seven eight issues of stuff that I've been missing or want to catch up on and think do I do I need this and then budget, you know. Sad, sadly, there there is yeah. a budget. Yeah. So. Speaking a, a, a bit ago, we started talking about Jeff the Mayor, and so first of all, speaking of um, sort of including the, the segment talking about him, I haven't read his Descender and Ecender image comics oh. series oh. with um Dustin Wynn. But I have been reading Little Monsters, which Little Monsters in the past year, so which wraps up. Yes, that wraps up soon. Yeah, it wraps up in May, so in a couple of weeks from when this is going out. Um, with issue thirteen, yeah. and that's been such a great series. Oh yeah, it's it's really fun. Jeff Lemire and Dustin, um, however you pronounce his last name, I've I've met him enough times. Win. I've met him enough times that I should know how to pronounce it, but I'm just, mm. I'm kind of tired if I'm being honest, but yeah, they, they, they work so well together. Ascender or Descender Ascender is such a great story. Um, they did Robin and Batman together, which was, I need to read that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so, it's so good. It's, it was, it was really fun. And then I think I'm on issue. I've picked up, I think at least to issue nine of little monsters and that's mm. that's really fun and i got to meet him at emerald city comic-con oh, cool. last year uh my mom got a few things signed and got him to draw wonder woman for her so that was pretty cool nice. no yeah Je- jeff yeah, yeah. and dustin work really well together so whenever they're partnered on a book it's like i i gotta pick up at least the issue one of that yeah it's cool because the the covers for the series are the more traditional art style that he's done that like watercolors but the actual interior art of the series is like black and white yeah black so, white blood. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so but so it's not as like like watercolory but it's still as a nice it, it makes the red like really like evocative and striking when it does happen oh yeah it's 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 a good use of like monochromatic um stuff i guess coloring like that Mm. And uh, I know that it is interesting. There's been slight mixed reactions in the sense that even the people that 
and even some of the people that have enjoyed it have found it a bit slow. And so some some of the people are like, well, I've enjoyed it, but if, like, if it's ending at 13, what was the point of all this slow build-up if it's not going anywhere? And like personally, I've, I've enjoyed it, and not just... like I've enjoyed like, like the slow ride, because I, I don't... Maybe it's just me, but I, I've actually like, really been into that. Yeah, it's it's just a story about these vampire yeah. children. It doesn't have to build up to a big climax. It's just telling yeah. a story, you know. And yeah, like how the revelations have like unfolded over the, especially in the first arc, we didn't really get much about them. But in, in the like, the second arc, from was it probably issues? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like yeah, issues like six. It was like the end of the first arc as you would normally expect. So and what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I, I remember it was quite funny when the first issue came. Well, not funny, but interesting when the first issue came out. Where I'm like a sucker for like slice of life elements in comics, which I've probably mentioned a few times on the podcast. But so like lots of people, because like issue one of the series is very sort of like slice of life. It just sort of shows that like the kids like going about their lives. It yeah. doesn't really sort of pick up on any main plot threads until at the end of the issue, into the next second issue. Yeah. And then lots of the, I remember seeing lots of the reviews on the second issue were like, oh, this is like much better. We're actually finally getting into like an actual story. And I'm just there like, actually, I, I prefer the first issue to the second because I, I love that. Slice You've got to build your characters mm. first. You can't just you can't just launch in and be like, oh, here's here's all these characters because there's like there's a decent amount of characters in Little Monsters, so. The issue one was like, here's all these people, here's here's what they do. This is this is what life is like in this world. You've got to do a little bit of world building before you can go into a plot. And rather than just you know a big exposition dump, it's just like mm. a first issue. That's here's here's all these characters. Here's what it's like to be a a child vampire in this apocalypse. You know, so it both both are good. All the, the whole series is good. It is it is a slower series. You can't go into it expecting. A full vampire horror story but it's it's still a good story yeah i think it's testament to their namira wins abilities that even the, the the people that have thought it's a bit slow have still like really enjoyed it and like it's got higher ratings on like, the new comic geeks and presumably like other ratings sites so they can they can they can really craft a story and it makes me very excited to get around to the center and east centers one day oh yeah time. it's 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 a lot bigger of a story for descender mm. ascender but it's, right makes sense it's still such a it's such a great story it's i haven't read it in like way too long but it from what i remember it is probably it's definitely one of like my favorite comics um definitely like top top 20 at least because i read so many comics that i can't just say i have a top five but it's it, it's fun it's really dark but it's fun and it, it's beautiful throughout the whole story. Nice. And before we finally move on from the subject of Jeff's, <laughs> I just, I, I have to talk about It's Jeff because uh, I know we, we talked about it briefly before we started recording, but it wasn't something I bought immediately when it came out because to us, I wasn't sure how many um, like chapters of the uh, unlimited online comic it contained. So I wasn't quite sure, but then I got, like when I was talking to the, I think it was at the comic shop last last week, and uh, I, they they just had, had like a spare copy in there when I was picking up my books, and uh, I found out that it actually did have like a decent amount of 
shorts in it. The first like season or whatever, like twelve of them. I was like, oh okay. It was it was it was funny because I picked up four weeks of books. Oh wow. And and like it's Jeff was the most expensive at, <laughs> at, at our at our equivalent of six dollars. I was like it, it, it was like this, this is going to be worth it. It's just going it, to. It's not necessarily the best comic I've ever read, but it's easily one of the best and easily the cutest and most adorable comic I've ever read. It's it's something I wanted to pick up but forgot about. So uh, it's it's yeah. on the list. Yeah. I I love the concept of Jeff. All I know is that he's a land shark and he looks really cute. And I've seen this comic frame of Jeff with a knife and Deadpool. Deadpool says to Jeff, Jeff, you must swear to always protect transgender kids. And Jeff just goes, or makes a little noise at him with a knife in his mouth. And that's that's all I know about Jeff. And I love that, though. Yes. Oh, I, I can't remember what. It might, it might be from, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, presumably from the Deadpool book. But, which, again, I, I need to read. And it's fun because I got the Grimple on the bus from my like birthday a couple of months ago, which contains like um the the full like ten issue series of West Coast Avengers from several years ago that Kelly Thompson wrote. I can't remember who, who the artist was, but because that's where Jeff was first like created. And although I did say I couldn't remember the artist, but I do remember coming to mind that he was co created by Daniela Dean Luculo, who has done also work on Power Rangers, which again I haven't read, but I've lots of good things about and and like Radiant Black here and there, and he's doing Supermassive twenty twenty three. So that's a fun way of tying it round all the way back to Radiant Black. <laughs> yeah. Um I haven't read Power Rangers either by Kyle or Ryan or okay. I, I mean, I picked up the first two issues of Kyle's run, and I'm pretty sure that that takes place after Ryan's run, but I, I just picked it up because I thought it'd be cool, and then I picked up the um foil variant for the uh, Death Ranger one-shot because I thought it was cool to have non-binary representation in Power Rangers, and I love foil covers, mm. so I, I just picked it up because I thought it looked cool, and I thought, I thought it'd, be, it, it'd be cool, and knowing nothing about Power Rangers, it looked cool, so... <laughs> Yeah. Tying it back to Radiant Black and Rogue Sun, though, um, <laughs> Radiant Black 22 did come out last month in yes. on the 1st. That was that was Nathan's oh, yeah. book, right? That was kind of like what he did. It wasn't it wasn't superhero. It was just kind of, hey, what's what's going on with these people? So, it yeah, was... which, mm, which again, sort of speaks to the elements I've talked about where it's not just like superheroics, especially in something in Radiant Black talking more about that where you can have the like quite a more character focused issues which has been really fun throughout the series. Yeah, and then um Rogue Sun Eleven also released that month, which was absolutely amazing as Rogue Sun normally is. Um at least at least I like it a lot. Um I am I am a little biased though, but it's it it was fun. Issue twelve that just came out was also really good and it it gave me the feels, but we're not supposed to talk about that one yet. Um, but no, yeah, it's Rogue, Rogue Sun's fun. It's always it's always really good looking. And then um, No One issue one released that month too. I think yeah. Yes. No I, I, really I, again, good. I keep I keep saying this not just in this episode, but 
and not even on this podcast, but on my online presence in general. But once again, I, yeah, I've heard good things, but it's starting to uh, check out. I might probably check out the, the trade, but I know there's been a lot with like the podcast and everything. So that that's really cool. Yeah, I I haven't listened to the second issue of the podcast yet, but it's it's on my list of stuff to do. But the the podcast for it really does give this depth to this world. Well, it all it all takes place in the same universe, but it's this is like the true crime, um, yeah, murder mystery noir kind of story, and it connects. It it feels real sometimes because it all could happen, and it's got like um. It's got a podcast that ties into it that's like the characters in the world do this podcast and it's in real life or they have the um like the news website or the the news has like a Facebook not a Facebook a Twitter account or um you could go to no one's website that he doxed all the people on and actually like plays voice clips and stuff and it's it is truly like a full experience and it's not it's not just a a comic book but it's it's been really fun in the first two issues. Yeah, it's really cool when they can have that multimedia aspect, which uh, I suppose is something that Radio Blacker has been really fun about in the past at a few times. So the the, the Metaverse sort of continues that that trend of being like innovative and exciting. Yeah, it sure. it, it pushes the boundaries of what a superhero comic yeah. can be, especially because like. Radiant Black, sure, it's a superhero comic, but it's also about like the people behind the superheroes and like what 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 would you do to save your friends and the people you cared about and like would would you give up your superpowers for the people you love? And it it does definitely have that Power Rangers Tokusatsu feel with, you know, the the colored radiants all having different powers and stuff, but it's it's still it's still a comic that I genuinely enjoy and Rogue Sun is like it starts out as a murder mystery, but it's it's a story about like family overall. And then Dylan, uh, the main character, he's kind of he's kind of a jerk, but he slowly sometimes gets some character development of realizing maybe being a jerk isn't the best thing. And then he'll go back to being a jerk sometimes, but it's 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 slowly getting to more character development of him and like him thinking, is this really the best version of me that I can be? Mm. Was that Rogue Son? Was it or yeah. no one? Uh, yeah. Ro- Rogue Son. Yeah. No. No one's just. No one's just fun. It doesn't have as much of a feel of like that portraying the man behind the mask sort of yeah. thing. It's. It's more of. It's more of just. Hey, I want to do a fun murder mystery noir in the massive verse because I can. Here's a podcast that goes along with it because why not? Yeah. The. The the other notable issue that. Uh, of, Rokasan, I did read, was the Choose Your Own Adventure one from a, a few months ago, which I'm sure I probably talked about at the time. It, that, that, that was so fun. It was really, was it was really, really cool. cool. I was able to actually get the um one in twenty five incentive for that, the one that's done in the style of oh, the nice. Choose Your Own Adventure book. Um, and then I was able to get the incentive for I think issue eight which is the one I'm printed in because that, that was one I just needed to get the nice. incentive for. But And then I've, I've tried to get some of the other ones because Rogue Sun incentives are kind of hard to find. Um, and I think I was able to get I was able to get the one for issue 12, the one that's like the watercolor painting of Night Sun that really helped me out with making the outfit. Nice. So I figured may as well try to get this one. So, yeah. Nice. 
And then I, I have the one in 50 that I got Ryan to sign. So that's that's pretty cool from issue one. Nice. I really love on this second arc that artist, the one of each show has done the the covers for it because they're absolutely gorgeous. I first discovered her work reading Valero from Image Comics written by Wyatt Kennedy in last last year because of towards the beginning of the year and it was one of my favourite books of the year. A bit mature but very intriguing which sort of segues a bit into another comic to talk about. But first I, I wanted to ask about how you put your costume together or like your cosplay or it was it was the rogue sun one uh, at least at first wasn't it you yeah the, so when when they announced supermassive and rogue sun uh like you know they they just announced it as like hey radiant black is gonna expand into all this other stuff here's this character um and i i looked at him and i thought that's that's a cool looking design i'm gonna build that um i had a little bit of cosplay experience before i cosplayed um prince robot well i still cosplay prince robot from saga um fun he's he's a fun cosplay to do i need to i need to redo the helmet because it's kind of falling apart after like four years of wearing it but i i looked at um i i only had exclusive like you know i only had covers to go on from i think i had about five supermassive covers and about three to five rogue sun covers to go on so about 10 images total and I built the Rogue Sun armor out of it. And how, how it went was I just had all this cardboard and I looked at this this armor and I just started, I just went out my garage and was just cutting cardboard into all these different shapes mm. for like a few days. And then I attached them all to um, like orange sweatpants and an orange long sleeve shirt I got at Goodwill um, to get that effect of like the floating, you know, like, um, like on lava, the floating feel of that um, to right, get like yeah. depth and um, really the whole the whole thing started out. Um, actually, what inspired me to make the outfit was someone on the Radiant Black Discord server said something about I hope we'll get a Rogue Sun helmet from Starchild Props. The person has done like the Radiant Black helmet and all that, and I thought mm. I could I could make that. So I went out my garage, I messed around, and I made this helmet, and I sent a picture of it to. A friend of mine and he messaged back hey are you gonna plan on making the whole suit and i thought you know what why not uh i got nothing better to do i have i have all the time in the world and then i joined a play um <laughs> which kind of delayed that prog process but that was yeah it, it just kind of came out of i'm i'm bored i i need something to do um i i'll i can lay claim to first massive versus cosplay and i i thought that was fun and um I think Ryan commented on it on the Discord server, and then he remembered me when I showed up and said I'm the Rogue Sun cosplayer at a Comic Con. So that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool to have that, and that's something that's especially cool about the Discord having all the creators in it, having that recognition from oh, like, yeah. fans and people making fan art and various fan things. Yeah, and then um. With with Excel, I did a um black. I I used a black flight suit or coveralls instead of gray because budget, and I thought it looked cooler. And that that mainly just went with I'm gonna make the whole suit out of cardboard. I'm gonna order EVA foam and use this cardboard as a template so I don't waste any foam. And then I met Kyle and Michael Bastelli, the editor, 
was also with Kyle at the Comic-Con. So I got a picture with Kyle in the outfit, which was pretty cool. And Kyle mentioned that um, they might make Axel's suit black. And then he texted the picture of me and him to, um, I think it was Becca Carey, the um, the artist of Radiant Black. So that that's kind of cool. And nice. originally, originally there was lighting effects in the backpack for the XL suit, but those ran out within the day, sadly. And I'll I'll have to figure out how to replace them. But it was that that was a fun outfit. It got really really warm throughout the day, even though I was just wearing like forearm covers, leg covers, and a helmet. And it, I guess it kind of prepared me for wearing the um the night sun outfit because that was full suit of like medieval style armor, which was really fun to make and i think when when they did all you know how they did all those spawn covers for a bunch of image stuff right yeah yeah the um rogue sun had a spawn cover with medieval spawn on it instead of al simmons spawn and this medieval version of rogue sun and i i said on the discord and i said to myself if they give me more of this character i will make them and then Ryan gave us more of the character, so I made him. Um, <laughs> and I only had, I think, one issue to go on to make that whole suit of armor, and I made a whole suit of armor out of it, so that was that, that felt pretty good to do. Yeah, that's really cool, just the amount of like time and effort and thought that must have gone into it, and then to be able to actually like execute it, and yeah really yeah. cool like in in that rogue sun issue where night sun first shows up there's like a picture of like the back of him um which i don't i it obviously probably wasn't put there on purpose but i was just thinking thank you ryan for giving me what the back of this character looks like because that was a problem i had when making the first rogue sun armor was i didn't know what his back looked like um so i just kind of had to just just build what I thought it might look like, but with Night Sun, they actually gave me what the back of the character looked like, so I didn't have to just kind of sit there alone thinking, what 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 am I gonna do for this? So it was it was it was cool. It was, it's it's a fun thing. It it definitely takes a lot out of my budget, sadly, but I do end up with cool outfits and stuff that I can wear for whatever. And does it take you like a long time to? Because it it must be quite. Um, sometimes it's a bit arduous to like get all the pieces together and like fit it all together and make sure it's all like proper and because like it's obviously it's quite cool you can like wear it and it's like functional and everything. I know that's what cosplay is, but yeah. Um, with with Night Sun because that was like my first technical full suit of armor. I'd like done armor in the past, but with that I wanted to make sure that it it fit and that I could put it on by myself and that I could right, sit yeah. down in it. And yeah. I, um, I, I try to like plan a cosplay and start it like way, way before I'm planning on wearing it so I can have time to build it. And in case mm. anything goes wrong, I can, you know, I have time to fix it. But um, I guess how, how I make it comfortable or whatever mm, it is, yeah. I, I know, I know a lot of people will like measure themselves and get dimensions and work with that. But um, I take a more... I guess unorthodox approach. I will wrap cardboard and foam around like my arms or my chest or my legs or something, so I can get a more accurate like dimensions of myself, and then kind of adjust it from there. And then glue and detailing 
and stuff just and it it takes about it kind of depends on the outfit night sun probably took uh at least i need to do math um it probably took me at least three days total that's not true wait (laughs) If, if you put everything together it's probably at least um 60 something hours into that outfit um not including like paint drying and stuff but trying to get all the layering right and i like for the chest piece i had to figure out how to actually make a chest plate that i can take on and off if i got too warm or if i just you know needed to take off the outfit and put a bunch of like detailing and layering because throughout rogue sun it's you know the focus is more on the fire and the art for the fire so there isn't a bunch of layering in the armor so i did a bunch of layering for that and i put like a little holder for the sunstone a little bit lower in the chest for that so that was that was a fun thing to put in there so i tend to make like a whole outfit and then look at it and think is there anything i could add to give more detail or to like make this a little bit of my own thing like with axel i made the outfit and then got a black black coveralls instead of beige to i guess leave like a personal stamp on like this is my outfit but it's still someone's character if that makes any sense yeah because you've mentioned that you want it to be comfortable of course but then also about how you, you like can get too hot quite easily so i imagine it's quite a balance to try and work out as you're like building it and yeah and then modifying it as you need to I with with night sun I got super sweaty throughout the whole day but it was it was definitely worth it because um it was it was a really fun outfit to wear and I used I don't know how thick it was but decently thin foam for it so I was able to get an armored look but not be wearing like um you know like centimeter thick armor all over me so that that was that was nice to not be too warm throughout the whole day, just a regular amount of warmth. Yeah. And then, I, um, I suppose... Sorry, mm, we're, we're, sorry. Uh, no, no, yeah. no well, I, I was just going to say, again, I I've never been in a, like, uh, to a cotton, but I don't know how much like, ventilation there is in those massive convention halls, so uh, I suppose, like, trying to account for making it, like, comfortable and that it's, you're not going to get too hot, and then also, like, appropriate in terms of not being too hot or cold generally for the convention center or wherever. Being able to see is also very important. Right, yes, um, of course. Being, yeah, being able to eat is also important. Mm. Like, for my Prince Robot outfit, like, the first cosplay I did by myself, um, I, you know, he, he, it's a TV head, you know. It, it, it's it's a fun outfit, but it's, it's also, looking at it was, how am I going to eat in this or drink in this? And... My dad told me, you're not going to be able to eat or drink in it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to prove my father wrong. So basically, <laughs> I built it so that the screen, like, folds up. So, um, I uh... basically, like, which also helps with ventilation and breathing. But I can I can eat in the outfit without having to take the whole headpiece on and off. But with, like, um, with Rogue Sun or Night Sun or XL or this dystopian steampunk armor I did... It's, it's just a helmet that I can take on and off, which is, I guess, a little bit nicer sometimes. Mm. And, and also, can you see okay through like the helmets or the TV? So for Prince Robot, for Prince Robot mm. I used window tint for the helmet or for the visor. 
and I just have a bunch right. of scrap window tint that I that I got. So I I had to cover some parts of like my neck so light didn't shine through, and I've used window tint for some other visors and stuff. Um, the only problem with that is if you let a bunch of light in, it ruins the effect. Um, but some something else I've been using uh, for for the Rogue Sun helmet, the Night Sun helmet, and XL, I've been using like mesh, like a uh, colored mesh, and then like I've I've got thin mesh, and then I've got like thicker woven mesh that I can go over with like a marker, and then I'll layer those so it looks like one thing. But if your eyes are close enough, you can see through it. So I can't really like read in the helmets. I can't see like small children running into me but i can see the general shape of people and i can see that you know if, if someone's about to run into me and usually i'm at a con with a family member or a friend that can help me not run into small children basically it sounds vaguely like me when i don't have my glasses on it's like i can't make out details but i can see vague like outlines of objects and and the like yeah, I, I, I guess it's kind of like that, but I'm putting something on instead of you you taking your glasses off. But Yeah, or, um, I, I did a dystopian steampunk outfit, and for that, I, just, I had, like, these old steampunk goggles that I, like, took apart and used the lenses for the eyes on those, so I, I could see pretty well out of those as those are made to be seen out of. Um, and then I put lights in the side of them to give it, uh, like, an eyes glow red lighting effect. Which makes it a little harder to see, but I can still see out of it, which is nice. Unless it's dark out, then I can't see if the lights are on. Right. Yeah, that's the, yeah. A, a big part of making this stuff is how do I move and how do I see in it while still mm. looking like the character I want to look like. Yeah, I get it. It must be quite a fine balance to try and achieve. Yeah, like for um, and then also storing things like pockets pockets for right, like my yeah. phone or my wallet because I, I can't yeah i can't wear a backpack or anything in some of yeah. my outfits so um night sun had uh, I, I had pocket access which is nice um for xl i you know i was just using a set of coveralls and those had those had pockets in them built in which is nice and then um because i'm planning on doing a diesel punk radiant red i need to figure out how to put pockets for that which i'm probably gonna like because Diesel Punk is like that World War One, World War Two vibe. There was a lot of pouches, so I could just put a bunch of pouches on the outfit and use those to store things while still retaining that look for what I'm going for. Yeah, and in that sense, I know you probably don't want to wear anything too heavy underneath the costume. You might have already talked about this, but you ever just wear like? I suppose you need to try and prioritize things which can not necessarily warm you up too much within the costume but also have some nice pockets and like a decent amount of them yeah i've got like athletic pants and an and a long sleeve like athletic breathable shirt that are both black that i tend to wear under outfits because i've got i've got pockets in those it covers my whole body so i can wear armor over it and it doesn't get too warm you know it's it's gonna get warm because it's long sleeves with armor over it Mm. but it it's it's a tolerable level of warmth, I guess. Right, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the your, your cosplaying before we move on? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Uh, if, it's, it's a fun thing to get into, so 
I would suggest if anyone wants to do it, do it safely. Um, I have burned and cut myself many, many times making Oof. outfits. So make sure you do it safely because um, you, you, you can get injured if you do it wrong. I speak from experience, but oh. I guess don't let that deter you from making an outfit you want to make. Just be more cautious. Don't remember what you cover in hot glue before you grab the thing that you covered in hot glue. Because um, <laughs> I, I grabbed something covered in hot glue and that was a mistake. Yeah, it can be like too easy not to realize that, that sort of thing sometimes, and just and then uh, like do something like that, and then you're like, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, um, I was I was making a helmet for something, and I covered a panel in hot glue. I was like, how do I grab this? So I grabbed the panel and put it on something, and yeah, that it it didn't go over well for my fingers, but the helmet got finished um, <laughs> eventually. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I joke that my cosplays require sacrifices of flesh and blood because I have to, I, I have to be wounded some way, whether it's like I, I poked myself with a sewing needle once making a Spider-Man outfit or Spider-Man Noir outfit, or I burn myself really badly on hot glue, or I nick myself with a saw blade making an outfit. So it, it's just kind of expected. I, I try to avoid it, but it's something that's like, you know, I, I, I'll try not to get too hurt making this, but I'll, I know I'm going to get hurt. Yeah, I suppose it's like an acceptable level of um, hurt. Yeah, or like um, I cut out a crescent dart for a Moon Knight, like a Moon Knight crescent dart um, out of metal in the metal shop a little bit ago. And because I was being dumb, I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick it up and look at it right as I just cut it with the 3000 degree cutting torch. So I picked it up, I looked at it and then I burned myself really badly. So if I ever do a moon Knight outfit, I already have my wound for that, but it, it ended, it ended up working. But looking back, it's like, why, why would you grab a burning piece of metal that you know is burning? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry for going off on that, that little tangent of stuff. No, it's interesting. I suppose the only other similar thing that I can mention is like w when you go to like grab something from the oven or, or something without oh. <laughs> like probably yeah. like probably thinking it through without or or, or the, the, the one time that's one thing that's caught me out uh, once or twice is when like the tray is out of the oven but it's it's obviously still hot and but it's not in the oven right yeah yeah and and, 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 and also um. There was one time when, like, sometimes, let uh, start again. Before, there was a point where I just sort of leave it in there and then, like, take it out later if like, no one else used the oven and it cooled down. But then one of my housemates was like, if you just run it with cold water, it, like, completely cools it down and you can just, like, put it on the side safely and it's nice and cold. But, um, like, a couple of times, just sort of, like, when I'm doing that, I'm sort of holding, like, the hot ends with the like an oven glove and then getting it um like, put, like putting like the cold water on it from the tap and then sometimes trying to like pivot it a bit and like touching a bit that's still, oh, oh slightly no. hot and I, I don't like scold myself or anything it's not like really hot but, but it's, it, it's, it's still like, hot i wouldn't want to be touching it but i, I, I want to stop touching it yeah um there was one time oh, that i dear. cut myself on an oven like i got my finger jammed in a like a vent on an oven <sighs> and like I, I haven't burned myself on an oven before, which is kind of strange, 
but I've cut myself on an oven, which is, is really weird to say to people. They'll give me this look of how, how did you manage to do that? Oh, this is going to make us sound really clumsy, but there was a, there's been way too many times when I've been washing up a knife and then because of the way I was like, drying over it with a like, tea towel or, or whatever, I've ended up like cutting myself a bit. Not Nothing like too significant considering you know, it's a knife, but like enough where I, I've had to like go and get a plaster because I've like bled. And oh, it's happened wow. a few times, which is probably more than it should happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, oof, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That 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 was that was a very interesting tangent, though. But <laughs> yeah, that that uh, we we started on cosplay and then ended up on the rest of clumsiness. Yeah. Um, uh, going back to comics a little bit, there was something I wanted to ask you. Have you been reading Vanish by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman? So, I I read the first. Sorry, I read the first issue and I loved it. And then I read issues two through four and started to lose interest a bit. So I, I so I read the first arc. I haven't read the second arc. I I absolutely love their Venom. Oh yeah, their their so, Venom was amazing. So Cates I, I also, was sorry. Hmm. So sorry. So I was, I was excited for it, and then I yeah. So I, I fell off it a bit, um, uh, which is yeah. so, was a bit of a shame. But I might I, I might return to it eventually especially by i don't know i'll see but yeah issue five came out last last month and i wanted to bring it up just because it's it's really good um issue five definitely like i i definitely see how you could say that it you know you definitely see how you could have lost interest in the first arc because it it's kind of just setting everything up i guess but vanish mm, vanish yeah. five was really it was really fun it was really trippy and I guess weird and Scotty Young did a cover for it, so I I had to get that. Oh yes, the 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 Scotty Young cover is absolutely amazing. So yeah, they always are. Uh, yeah. I, I I remember hearing at the time it was more of a, like a psychological issue, which sounds interesting. Oh yeah, it's it's like the first thing of Lemire's Moon Knight, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I'll say. It's it's it was fun. It it makes you question what was the rest of this about. And yeah, I I like Donny Cates. I've I've got to meet him before. Oh, nice. Um, I I loved his Cosmic Ghost Rider run, just because yeah, it's, it's so over the top and so stupid, but so fun because Cosmic Ghost Rider is stupid and fun. So, speaking of Cosmic Ghost Rider, the the new thing for that came out last month, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. It it might be something I continue depending on where it's going. But I, I like my Ghost Rider stuff to be rated M, and it could go that darker path, but it might just be a lighter version of the character, and then if it is a lighter version of Ghost Rider, I might just drop it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I've had mixed things about that. It, uh, I was slightly interested, not not interested enough to pick it up, but because, as you said, the, the other like, Ghost Rider stuff with Donny Kinates and various artists, it's, like, it's wild but very good fun. Yeah, the, so, the current the current Ghost Rider run is phenomenal so far. I'm I'm amazed that it's rated teen plus with the amount of like just oh, violence right. and fire and demon slaying going on in it. But it's 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 been really fun. And that probably sounds really bad to say about a Ghost Rider story, but it's 
it's it's a good story because it it shows the separation between Johnny Blaze and the Ghost Rider, and the transformation scenes of Johnny to the Rider are phenomenal. Because a lot in in like a lot of other Ghost Rider stories, it's like Johnny turns into Ghost Rider, his face just disappears, and then he's Ghost Rider. In this, it's like the Rider fully takes over, and like there's there's a scene where the Rider like rips himself out of Johnny's flesh or there's one where like his face is like just melting off to the skull beneath it and it it, it looks way cooler than just oh he has a skull now yeah that's that's wild um, that's one where I haven't heard too many people reading it but the people that I've heard or seen have read it have mostly enjoyed it that's Benjamin Percy isn't it um I have uh, yeah it is Benjamin Percy yeah I just wanted yeah, to check yeah it's yeah. It's it's been a fun Ghost Rider story. I I picked it up thinking, "Ooh, Ghost Rider. This looks fun." And then it ended up being mm. like a title that I genuinely look forward to or like the um Have you been reading The Punisher? The current Punisher run? No, but that's one that there's also been a lot of discourse around yeah. the past. So like, I I don't read a lot of the mainstream Marvel books just cuz there's always so much going on and so many crossovers and everything. Yeah. I I like or like team ups, you know, to keep track of all these characters. I like Marvel wise, I get Moon Knight, Punisher, and Ghost Rider, and I think that's it. And the the Punisher run I picked up because there was an Alex Ross cover, and I thought that looks cool. I'll pick this up, and it ended up being a genuinely good Punisher story. That's not just Frank Castle's angry and he shoots people. It delves into <laughs> what like the psychological stuff of being the Punisher, and like what he would do to get his family back, and all this all this stuff and it it gives him superpowers which is pretty fun and he fights daredevil in one of the issues which is pretty also pretty fun so and it's 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 wrapping up soon the 11th issue just came out and it's going to be a 12 issue story and that's that's going to be a book that'll be a little strange to not have on my pull list because i've had it for like over a year and it's just been this random book that i keep getting and genuinely enjoy every month yeah, I know what you mean when when you have series like that that you you you've been reading for like several months and they and they conclude. Speaking of sort of, well, I, I suppose I suppose that I could use that to apply to a couple of different books here. But what I was thinking of is I just wanted to mention before we move on to one final book. I think we both have read and wanted to maybe talk about. But earlier I mentioned how they want to beat you. Been doing some of the Rogue Sun co- covers, Bolero, etc. As I've talked about, but she's had her series. It's gone on since oh, I was it October, November, called Love Sick, and that issue six came out in March. I think issue seven will be out the week this, the new comic the day this goes out. If you're listening to it then or that week, and the trade comes out in July, it's incredibly disturbing series. It's the most gorgeously drawn yet incredibly disturbing series I've ever read. It's not going to be for everyone by any means, but if it is for you and it does something something you'd be interested in, then I would suggest that we try it out. So I don't know if uh, I know Image has a thing where lots of the issue ones are available for free to read on their website. I don't know if Love Stick is on there yet, but it might be. But yeah, it's quite an, an intense read, always 
makes me like take a deep breath out every time I right I, I finish the issue and I'm like <sighs> I just sort of have to like compose myself because it's yeah it, it, it's very wild but I, I haven't read of, this but hmm. looking at it yeah I I'm looking at this this looks really cool actually definitely just disturbing yeah, as you said yeah the if you, if you feel like into like the issues and the series it becomes a bit clear about what it's uh about but sort of like extreme and i, I mean the, the the cover for the the trade looks insane and just like the cover for the final issue issue seven so i yeah it's it's hard to talk about not not just and when i say it's hard to talk about i don't mean because it was like mature and i don't want to talk about it i mean like quite literally it's hard to sort of put it into words it's because it, it, like uh, i guess it, it, it would be considered horror but well for one like the artwork the this is the solicitation that i'm looking at describes it as like a modern blood and neon soaked horror saga that's not for the faint of heart and that feels quite uh, appropriate because it's so vibrant yet so bloody yet so like it, it does have some like, genuinely interesting character moments and story beats with the main character Domino and some of the characters involved. It's not just gore for the sake of gore. But yeah, when you can tell a story that has violence for a reason, that's when you know that that's a good story. Like you don't want to put in violence yeah. just to have violence, just like because you can. You want to have a reason for it to propel a character to tell a good story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's fun because it's one I recommended when it was starting back on one of the earliest episodes of the podcast to have it wrap up. And now it's well, almost as, yeah. Yeah, I will, but, I will add that to the list then. Yeah. The one last comic that we, that I think we realised before we started recording that we both read and might be a good one to wrap up the episode with was Batman One Bad Day, Ra's Ghoul. Yes. Right. <laughs> One bad so, day has been fun so far. Or it it just wrapped up with Raz Al Ghul, and I I I know I wanted to pick up a few of the issues, um, like especially the Mister Freeze one was one I had on my list, which I got signed by Matteo Scalera, the artist. But oh, cool. Um, I've gotten some other stuff signed by Matteo Scalera, but like one one bad day was just this, like with the Riddler story was like this dark horrifying Riddler story. And I wanted to continue down this road of all this. And with Ra's al Ghul, it was... I think that one actually had the most Batman of any of the One Bad Day stories. Because um, the, the stories are more about the villains um, as opposed to Batman. Yeah, exactly. And it's fun the different ways that the creators have taken it. Because there's definitely like a scale and a spectrum of... You can put each of these like eight books at a different point along there based on like how much like, Batman is involved and how much, but because like some of them, well, cause like I actually clarify with, with that, say the regular one or like Ra's al Ghul or like, I don't know, Mr. Freeze, like quite a few of them I've read. Um, the Penguin sort of one had, is also really good. Oh, nice. It, it sort of had them as like antagonists to Batman like Batman and maybe Robin for a couple of those like played like a major role and they were sort of like specifically like fighting up against the villain and so they were still like the main characters but they were definitely more like they were not the good guys they they were not yeah, the good guys but they were the main characters yeah. yeah 
yeah, Dwarf Force to, to Batman. And then, and then you have something like Bane, which is somewhere oh. in the middle, where he was like very clearly the main character, and Batman did feature, but it was an, it was a very different take to some of the other one back days that I read without spoiling too much about it. But the Bane that, that book really is so made. good. I the the Bane book is probably one of my favorites that I I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, and it it's got more emotion in it than you'd expect for a Bane book. But yeah, that they were all they were all phenomenal because they got to tell these stories of these Batman villains and like more of who they are as opposed to they're a bad guy. Batman beats him up. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, the, I, 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 sorry. Hmm. Uh, I was going to say, I have to be honest, I've run a bit hot and cold on Tom Taylor's writing in recent years when I, I was, I still elements of his work that I do absolutely love, but there's others which I'm not as keen on. So I wasn't necessarily sure how his Ra's al Ghul one shot was going to play out. I knew the art was going to be spectacular because you, when you have an art team like even Rice, Danny Mickey, and Brad Anderson on art, inks, and colours, it's going to look spectacular. But I wasn't sure what the writing was going to be like. But when I heard it was like actually good and decent, I I had to check it out, and yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was it was a fun it was a fun story. How many of the uh, one bad days have you managed to read so far? Uh, I have managed to read all of them. <laughs> if nice. I'm being honest, I I got the the two face one. I thought it was good, and I wanted to try to get the Riddler one. And the Riddler one is absolutely amazing. And then I just started saving them at my comic shop, and yeah, they've 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 been fun so far. I don't know if they'll do them in like a trade or anything. I I doubt it, but they're also, just because they're really thick, it'd be kind of hard to put those into a trade. But they're they've been really fun. It's it's. I really hope they do something like this for another character of some sort. I'm not sure who would work to have stories about their villains done, but it could be fun. Yeah, because I remember when it was first announced last summer, and we we weren't quite sure. Uh, I saw wait we as like a like a comic community and fandom. Yeah. I'm not sure how they was going to turn out. Yeah, because it was like a mysterious new... Well, because first it was a mysterious new project that um, King, Tom King and Mitch Gerrard's were working on because of the Riddler one. And then it eventually unfolded and, and unraveled that there was going to be eight of them, like various greater teams, etc., etc. And so, and even then, we weren't sure which of them, like what the quality of them was, was going to be. So Thankfully, uh, they all turned out to be very high quality, though. Yeah, because the only ones I haven't read were Two Face, Catwoman, and Penguin. But the other five that I read, I really enjoyed. So the Catwoman one I wasn't too fond of, but it's it's still a good story. But the the Penguin one is really 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 good. Nice. Um, the the Two Face one was also good. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite, but um, definitely. Try to pick up the penguin one if that's within your budget. Yeah, I think I don't know if I'll. I think so. I picked up Riddler when it came out, and I also picked up Bane when it came out. And then I heard such good things about Clayface and Razagul that I had to pick those up. And then I went, and then when I was picking up Razagul, I went, went back and picked up Freeze. And Freeze was good. I love the story. Was 
I mean, it was good, but it was uh, like mediocre. But I thought, but the like the art was. I absolutely loved the art, that the aesthetic, like, like the winter setting. And yeah, Matteo Scalera is such a great feel. artist. Oh, yeah, so good. It was maybe my. There was a lot of like fantastic art throughout the series. Again, at least the ones I read. But I think that the art, art I can freeze might have been like my favorite for like the book. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if this if this makes sense. It wasn't necessarily my favorite, like like like, like technically wise, but like for the book, it was for in terms of the aesthetic. I just like it. It works. The art and the story good. work together. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think I, I don't know if you've thought too much about this, but I think it also has my favorite cover of the ones because yes. they're, they're all like fantastic covers. But again, the oh, aesthetic the, the of cover just... for it. yeah, the A cover for it is so good. Also, I think I find it interesting that just looking at the covers for them, it's something that's fun and unique about the Clayface one, which we haven't really mentioned, is that you've got. The words like clay, sorry, the letters clayface, like above him. On I don't know if you remember, or, um, which is quite cool because it makes sense for his like character. And none of the others, of course, have their names like on like in the art, apart from in that logo, the trade dress. Yeah, so I yeah, no, I I know what you're talking about. The the clayface the clayface cover was really cool. The the story for it was li- like dark and a little disturbing. Not not on like the scale of some mm. other books that you've mentioned, but it was it was still it was still a fun book. Yeah, I think the Clayface one was my favorite, honestly, because also also written by um Kelly and Lansing, which you mentioned a bit earlier about the Batman Beyond stuff. But yeah, that I, I just felt again that the, the the artwork by Sir Sir Manico, I think, on that one. And I think so. Yeah, Rom- it, Romulo it for Jardo Junior. Coloring, I believe that's right, and Tom Napolitino on lettering. I just felt like every element of that, at least personally, came together so perfectly. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite book, but it was really well done. It was really well done. I think going going back to the Rosalind one briefly for some final thoughts before we conclude. I thought there was a like a good job of. There was a nice balance within the story of keeping things balanced between like the character moments of, of Raz and uh, developing him and also how sort of like putting it in that perspective with like Rob and um, Bruce and Damien and then how it was sort of balanced with the more like climate change sort of like heavy messaging and themes that Tom was going for without being like too heavy handed and yeah without uh, being it, it political was really an interesting too. story. Yeah, without being political, they could tell this this story about climate change and all this all this bad stuff while writing a, a Batman story too. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was good. I I definitely liked it a lot. Yeah, and again, I also already mentioned the artwork, but some of the, the action scenes in there were just as you'd expect from the art team. So so fun to look at, especially towards the end. Yeah. Oh, the artwork and that was so good. Yeah, mm. I don't want to spoil anything, but there are. There are some really cool like page spreads in the story um, that yes. are are beautiful, but then there's there's one where it's like whoa that that just happened. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun book. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. So, um, is there anything else 
you want to mention or any comments or any comments you want to talk about or any of that? I don't think so. Um Cool. Yeah. This was this was this was fun though. Yeah, it was. Thank you for uh, joining me. I, I was glad to have you. I know when you um reached out saying you would be you'd be happy to be on if I if I would have you and then I needed someone to um well I, I quite like I quite like to do this like monthly like roundup because it means that in other episodes are more focused on like specific comics. It's quite fun just to like catch up on the month's comics with like a new guest every time and just something to keep things as like a nice fresh episode. Yeah. To keep update keep people updated on things that we're into and yeah, um, yeah, yeah this, this is cool. Yeah. Is there anywhere that people can find you online that you want to mention or anything like that? Um, as I as I mentioned at the beginning, I don't have much of a social media presence. Right, um, yeah. Besides, like, um, the Radiant Black Discord, I guess, which I don't remember the join code for off the top of my head, but I guess that's probably where I'm most present online. So I, I don't have any, like, anything to plug like yeah social media wise so, yeah yeah it's fun like going from like talks with creators when when that's sort of like a standard part of the end of the, the conversation and then, and then when you've just got like like friends and guests from a mind on it it's, it's like yeah they don't really have anything to um like plug in, in, in the same way it's like okay i guess this is it yeah but yeah mm, but yeah shout out to the um, Red and Black podcast. I know we talked about Masterverse a few times in this episode, so I thought it'd be fun to, because they're great guys and great people within the Discord, which I'm sure if you go to their Twitter page, like, I think it's Red and Black Pod or something like that, you should be able to find it quite easily. They can, they might have the Discord link in, in their bio or whatever, but yeah, thank you again for joining me. I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, this was, this was really fun. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show five stars wherever you're listening. I would really appreciate it. If you want to keep up to date on new episodes, please subscribe. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email the show at joetalkscomics at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at joetalkscomics. And finally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at joelovescomics, where we can continue talking comics. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time. Bye!